Welcome to The Niffler, the podcast that takes another look at London. Avoid the tourist traps? Absolutely not. Go for them. We'll show you how. Good evening and welcome to the podcast that answers that fundamental question, should you go to Leicester Square? And if you do, what do you do there? My name's Maddie Fry and I'm with two other people who are seasoned Londoners. In fact, I've been in London for over a decade. How long has everyone been in London for? Charlotte, you've been in London for 10 years? Yeah, just over a decade. Yeah. I'm with Charlotte Demansky. Hi. And Sean Evans. Hi. How long have you been in London, Charlotte? About the same. Yeah. yeah, about 10 years, I think. So this podcast answers those questions of, should you go to the tourist traps? And if you do, what is there? And the fact is, the tourist traps do actually have quite a lot of good stuff. You've just got to ferret around for them. Dig beneath the surface, as you will. Or, if we were going to quote J.K. Rowling, be a niffler. First of all, it's a good idea that we are starting in Charing Cross and Leicester Square because apparently it is the exact centre of the city of Westminster. And I guess you could argue now, okay, we know Westminster and the city of London are different things, but the actual centre of London. Um, Anyone who lives in the square mile, please don't write us hateful emails, you know it's not personal. Just outside St Martin the Fields, that big church that overlooks Trafalgar Square, there is a plaque commemorating the fact that this is the exact geographical location of the city of Westminster. And it is, shall I have got this right, it's where it actually, they measured all the points from which you can measure London's distance from. Yeah, so you could be in New York or Tokyo, and when it says X million miles to London, that's where it's measuring to. So we are starting out with, you know, what some would say is the centre of the universe, if we were going to be so cocky. And we're Londoners, <laughs> so we can be. Um, uh, but, you know, to avoid us getting hate sort of messages on Twitter, um, we should just say the centre of Westminster and London generally. So Leicester Square, Charing Cross, that is the focus of this our pilot episode. In terms of what to do there, I mean, essentially, if you find yourself sort of there, it's one of those places that you think being here is fantastic, but I don't actually know what to do because everything is around me and things can feel quite intimidating. But the National Gallery is within reach, the National Portrait Gallery, the Prince Charles Cinema, these are all places we will be looking at. And then we will take in what are the best places to eat and drink in the area that are not crazy expensive and good quality. And crazy expensive and bad quality are generally words that are a bit synonymous with Charing Cross and Leicester Square if you happen to live in London. So we're here to try and change your mind, dear listener, if you are a Londoner. I think if you're a Londoner who's been here for a while. First of all, the National Gallery, as I understand it, Sean, does free daily guided tours. Yeah, it happens at um, both the National Gallery and the National Portrait Gallery. And they are different places, just so you're aware. Different places, two different places, both on Trafalgar Square. The National Gallery does a guided tour of 60 minutes, I believe, of the highlights of the gallery. And it sort of takes you amongst the gallery and takes you to different sections of the gallery to hunt down the, the best thing and give you a bit of an overview, which is a good place to start your visit at the gallery and see all the different art. And then the National Portrait Gallery also does a late night every Friday, which has lots of music and they have a bar and you can kind of see some art at the same time as having a bit of a social evening. Yeah, which is kind of cool because it's quite a lot of the museums, like particularly the ones in Kensington, do late, but they're often only things like the third Friday of the month or something, or the first Friday of the month. So yeah, this, this is, is every week. So. Yeah, which is really cool. And you mentioned as well at one point about um, there's a suffragette tour, or at least there was in 2018, that might still be happening. Yeah, um, last year um, there was a celebration for the year of the suffragettes at the National Portrait Gallery, and they had a Rebel Women tour, which um, you can pick up a free flyer from the front desk, and hopefully it's still on, so catch it whilst it's still there. And it will take you around the gallery to look at inspirational women across time and art. 
And that's um, that's just reminded me, um, if ever anybody feels like venturing further south into Westminster, there's a woman who does like a general suffragette tour, but that's uh, that is for another episode. In case anyone's interested in exploring that issue further, that is where you go. And then there's also um, the Westminster Reference Library, which not a lot of people know this exists. Um, it actually backs onto the National Gallery. It's just at the southernmost tip of Leicester Square. It's uh, it looks like a kind of normal building. It's kind of vaguely grey, square, Stalinist architecture. And it's the host for an organisation called Antique Beat that does um, pretty much every month a series of lectures about the history of London. And it's things like it's an alternative history, things like the history of lunatic asylums in London, the history of London's zoology, um, the history of London's prisons. The zoology one was fascinating, actually, and it's sponsored by Hendrix Gin. So you get a free gin cocktail with your ticket. So alas, unlike the guided tours, it's not free, but they're an organisation worth supporting and they generally always meet in the Westminster Reference Library so um, it's uh, definitely worth checking out and it's very easy to get onto their mailing list and um, when I went to the zoology talk um, it turns out the Victorians were into quite a lot of really mad shit like just people wanted to own giraffes as pets and thought they could because they had a large garden and stuff like that so um, there was a guy who came in and did stuff about the history of London Zoo and how that evolved and how terrible the conditions were there with the beginning and how that's kind of it's become what it is now, so um, sort of that's more an evening thing. If, say, you've had a day, you've done the Portrait Gallery, you've done the National Gallery, and you're thinking, what should I do in the evening? You can rock up at Westminster Reference Library and uh, ask about Antique Beat. And then there's also the uh, the Prince Charles Cinema. And think, have we all been there? We all yes, there? many times. You yeah. can famously get a, a lifetime membership for 50 quid, which gives you a really good discount, and it does very good events from different themes you can go to sing-alongs they're very popular so you can go to like a, a grease sing-along or an all-night pyjama party for Disney I am ashamed to say only slightly that I've been to a Sound of Music sing-along at the Prince Charles Cinema <laughs> so this is, this is my confession um, but I'm not really that ashamed so that's a brilliant place and especially I think it's the first cinema that a lot of students go to when they move to London it's very cheap and it's a bit of a, a cult centre it champions films like The Room which have become mm, yeah, very that's, much that's the one I'm aware of yeah, from <laughs> so bad it's good it. apparently <laughs> yeah so like throwing spoons at the screen and all that seeing a Tommy Wiseau in the flesh he's there pretty much every month I think yeah because hasn't he kind of embraced the fact that everyone thinks the film is terrible but kind of love how terrible it is hasn't he kind of got on got on board basically I feel like almost I feel like there's a shred of him that still feels like it's taken seriously <laughs> <laughs> oh bless him I remember when I first moved to London I hadn't really heard of what the Prince Charles was and I remember seeing someone on the way to a Pan's Labyrinth costume party dressed as like a mythical creature walking through Leicester Square and I just thought oh my god what am I, what am I doing in London it's a weird place I guess we all came from rural areas, didn't we? I grew up in rural Oxfordshire. You grew up in Herefordshire slash mm. Wales. And yeah, I grew up in Devon. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's sort of, even though now I guess people get jaded after they've been in London for a while, but I'm still really excited by what London has to offer. And I like the fact that it has layers and there's always new things happening and there's always new things to discover. And for me, it hasn't really lost the magic. I don't know about you guys, like the, the, the high sort of house prices and rent prices and general really, really sort of extortionate cost of living still haven't killed my love for it I, suppose. I think they get you down but then when you start to talk about all the amazing things that it has to offer like the prince charles cinema then mm. you just realize you're in the best place ever yeah. yeah absolutely in fact charlotte had a blog going for a while didn't you about uh, you marking your 10 years in london didn't yeah you? last year last september was my 10 year anniversary so i was blogging about all my favorite spots so yeah prince charles is definitely one of my favorite things to do of an evening you can always guarantee there's a some kind of fun event 
And even they used to do things like um, Sunday morning breakfast screenings, so we could see the breakfast club for a fiver kind of thing. Oh, seriously? Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. so it's definitely worth checking back all the time. And they do quite a lot of screenings for just a pound, don't they? Or you mm. can get, or if you get the membership card, which costs a tenner for the year. Um, I mean, member, if lifetime membership is fifty pounds, then tenner for a year. It's um, you can get like one pound screenings for things. They do a lot of nostalgia stuff, don't they? Often they do like um, they do like a Nightmare on Elm Street marathon, or they do a Lord of the Rings marathon, and you can just sort of rock up in your pajamas with a ton of biscuits and just sort of sit it out really so yeah um, they do lots of talks and film quizzes and things like that we saw kevin smith talking about his new film there once mentioned in the flesh isn't there a toilet cubicle named after him yeah there? and his wife jennifer swarbeck i think her name is um and famously it used to be a porn cinema so obviously yes yeah. i didn't know upwards, that so that that's why the screen is <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm. fun little fact Oh, how wonderfully, uh, how wonderfully risque. <laughs> I did not know that about it, honestly. Yeah, that's an absolute gem, the Prince Charles. It's a great resource. And, um, I mean, talking of other things in Leicester Square that are not gems, necessarily, The uh, we discovered that one among our troop did not know about the Swiss clock on Leicester Square. Sean, you were not aware of this, were you? No, uh, no I've never heard of the Swiss clock. Um, <laughs> I happened to look it up on TripAdvisor after we discussed it, and it has a stellar rating of three stars. Um, and some pretty interesting reviews. Yeah, in fact, there's an anonymous review by somebody who's just put, oh God, the noise, make it stop. Um, <laughs> uh, because it's, it's positioned exactly between the M&M world and the Lego world, and um, or whatever whatever the fuck they're called. Prime location called. on Leicester yeah. Square, obviously. Absolutely, and because nobody really looks up, I guess. Everyone's, you know, you're trying to figure out where you're going, and if you're not very tall like I am, you kind of, most things are taller than you, so you don't really... You don't really want to get neck pain all the time. But the clock has been there for a while. But even then, someone on the internet has contested its existence. So but it's definitely still there, listeners. Yeah. It's definitely still there. So um, what what was the reason behind the clock again? Oh, it's the Swiss, was it the Swiss people? Yeah, yeah. in the 80s, the people of Switzerland thought it would be a nice gesture of friendship to give us a giant clock with the coats of arms of all the 26 cantons of Switzerland on it. And every hour we think, it plays a beautiful ringing of bells and they have a little procession of cows and alpine animals um, and some people find it very quaint and you know charming and lovely but I feel perhaps it hasn't stood the test of time but you know the Swiss probably intended it to it yeah. feels a little bit out of place I think it's just indicative of the fact that whenever people mention Switzerland most people don't have strong feelings so <laughs> you know don't mean to offend any of our Swiss listeners but I find the clock are just a bit underwhelming. Like it's just I've been there when it's done its lighting up and chiming thing and it's just a bit like eh. You know? But it sounds so, as though if you're in Leicester Square we'll have to check it out. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so so do do tip your cap to the Swiss clock, listeners. Um, you know, it's there. It should be acknowledged. It's and a fun then, little oddity. Yes, exactly. That's a good way of putting it. And also, there is a funny rule that you cannot build on Leicester Square, is that right? It's something to do with... It, it was a landmark in British land law or something that you, you cannot actually... Charlotte's actually studied law, so... Yeah, so... Buck passing time. It's a very... My memory of the exact circumstance is very hazy, but one of the previous owners of Leicester Square put the first ever restricted covenant on the land, meaning that future owners could not build on it. So... That's probably a very bad summary of the true facts of the law, but it's protected in law and it's a historic place where legal scholars and legal tourists might like to go to just appreciate, you know, the, the history that's deeply area. 
And it still remains a square to this date. It does. So it is actually square. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably a, a very effective law. So well done then. Indeed, well done then. That is an achievement. And um, also, um, generally in London, you cannot fly a kite. And that is a law that's been in place since the 1830s and is still on the statute books. So is statute books the right phrase? Or just still on the statute? Yeah. Or just still on the books? Case or? law. Yeah, statute law. Yeah. One, yeah. one for the books. <laughs> one for the books, yeah. And, um, you know, so apparently you can fly drones around Gatwick Airport or, or, or not, as the case may be. That, that clearly... As as of recording, that's still being debated whether or not there was a drone around Gatwick Airport. You you cannot fly kites and you can't build on Leicester Square, so you know maybe it isn't that much fun, actually. After all, maybe people should just avoid it for those reasons. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but if you happen to like film or um, theatre or restaurants or whatever, then it's um you know it is still the place to go. And in fact, Leicester Square has it's at least two Odeons, isn't it? A View, an Empire Cinema, and in striking distance there is the Picture House and the Odeon on Panton Street. So. It is a real film lover's hub, but I mean, the big complaint you always get from people is, oh God, where the hell would you, you know, go to the cinema on Leicester Square? It's so expensive. It's where they have all the film premieres. It's where the London Film Festival tends to host a lot of stuff. But actually, the Empire Cinema on Leicester Square, three years ago, I saw Crimson Peak there for a tenner. So I, um, it's a fond memory. So um, it's, that is definitely cheaper than, um, as well, and as well as the Prince Charles. There's actually, there are ways of seeing films without breaking the bank on Leicester Square. Um, that reminds me actually I saw the premiere of John Wick there they were giving away tickets with Keanu Reeves and Keanu Reeves it's turned quantum up baby mm. yeah he just arrived like I hope you <laughs> like my film but they do they tend to host the kind of one off random events and I think they give uh, they give away tickets sometimes screenings the, the and things yeah. yeah so it's worth keeping an eye out see what's going on oh really just in the metro you can get like it'll yeah. say you know it's quantum baby talking of which slight detail but at the Prince Charles Cinema I think for anyone who really likes the Five Live Film podcast on Friday afternoons Mark Commode has done events at the um at the Prince Charles so it's it's good for that as well we do love Keanu Reeves even if John Wick was not necessarily a cinematic classic so <gasps> unless did you oh Charlotte do you disagree no I'm a fan I'm a fan well f- fair dues fair dues that, that's okay that's okay <laughs> Yeah, and, and I should point out, actually, I, I know Sean has Picture House membership, but the Picture House has come under fire recently because it underpays its members, apparently, and doesn't pay them the living wage. And it, There was a period, I think it was last year, where if you went past the Picture House, they were always picketing, and I felt really guilty for crossing the picket line, so now I don't tend to go in out of guilt. But, you know, everyone can decide what their line is. It's not selling arms to the Saudis, so, you know, that's, um, you know, if, if, if that's your moral line or your, your moral limit, that's okay, but we're just, it's good for you to have complete information, so... Do you use your picture house membership regularly, Sean? Not that anyone's judging you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I use it on a fairly regular basis. Um, I'd like to point out I did buy it before the picketing incident, but I'm getting, I am getting my money's worth out of that membership. Because <laughs> there's ones like the Curzon is another one like where you can be a member, but that never struck me as really worth it. And the picture house membership is definitely worth it. It was a membership for two, sixty pound for the year. I don't know if it's gone up in the past year. Um, you get eight free tickets, so you pretty much make your money back on oh, those eight good. tickets. That is quite good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Listeners, make up your own minds. You know, whereas you're, where do you draw the line? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and so in terms of, there's obviously so much in Leicester Square and Charing Cross that, in terms to eat and drink, but it's that problem of you almost, you know, it's a cliche trying to find a needle in a haystack. How do you filter through the white noise and find the real gems there? And um, in terms of food. Leicester Square borders Chinatown and if I'm in Chinatown the place I tend to take people is a place called New China which I've been to China and New China is the only place I've been to where they do actually do food like they do it back in uh, back in the mother the mother country the motherland and you can get things on the menu that are things like pig's bladders pig's entrails trotters 
crab's feet, uh, the crab her feet, or um, crab sort of, you know, you, you can get basically parts of the animal you would not normally eat. Um, you can tell I didn't do biology, listeners. It's one of the few Chinese restaurants I've been to where I think this is not just a fusion of Thai and Vietnamese and Chinese food altogether. This is actually how they do it in China and the portions are massive. So if you're, um, you know, you're a party of five or six, it's really worth going and they have loads of space. So even if, say, on Chinese New Year when everyone's queuing, you can generally get a table there if you're prepared to wait for a bit. They've built very, very far into the ground. They have like three layers. So if you're looking somewhere to eat in Chinatown, New China, check it out. And right next to that, there is um, the Chinatown Bakery, which, Charlotte, you've been to, haven't you? I've been past it. Yeah, it's a really cute little bakery, and I love it because they sell what I can only describe as lucky fish donuts. So they're not actually fish-flavoured. They're kind of donut batter, which they make into little fish shapes, and they sell them in kind of five, two pounds, I think. And they're just really cute. Just literally a shop front where they make them in the window. You can see the little presses making the shapes as you go past. So I, I really recommend it. It's a really cute little thing to buy. That's pretty adorable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's so much up for grabs in Chinatown in terms of cakes and pastries. I think it's a really underrated part of Chinatown. There's so many nice little bakeries and it's mm. really worth just wandering around the fringes, around by kind of the back streets. And if you have a sweet tooth, then surprisingly you'll be so spoiled for choice, really. I was mentioning earlier the bubble waffles. They're kind of waffly bubbles full of ice cream. God knows how many calories contain, but you wouldn't really normally associate that with traditional Chinese food. But they're very much a kind of staple of that area. They're a real treat. I've never tried those. That's really good. No, I've never never tried those. That will be on our list. (laughs) I think that should be a research trip, you know, should um, go and uh, they're called bubble waffles. Yeah. Bubble That's waffle really cool. field trip coming up. Yeah. Yes. We'll I think report that, back. I think in this case, we'll, listeners, we make sacrifices for you. You can't say we don't. So, you know. <laughs> and um, straying a little bit from Chinatown, there is a, the Japan Centre on Panton Street, which, for those of you who don't know the street, is right opposite one of the cinemas we mentioned, which is the Odeon and the Harold Pinter Theatre, um, which is doing the Pinter and the Pinter season at the moment. But we will discuss theatre in another episode. But Charlotte, you've been to the Japan Centre, haven't you? Yeah, it's uh, brand spanking new. It only opened, I think, last year or maybe the year before, and it is an amazing resource. If you want to buy any Japanese ingredients, pop down there, or any gifts. They have a really wide selection of things like Japanese spirits and magazines and cookery equipment. Um, really nice if you want to pick up some fun gifts, but also they serve amazing sushi, so you can pick up something to nibble at and just spend ages browsing all the cool stuff and like all the really exotic ingredients. They're all available. A lot of stuff is imported direct from Japan, so you often find all the packaging is in Japanese with a kind of a little scribble underneath what it is in English so it's quite fun just to have a look around and you can mill your own sushi rice and all that kind of stuff really really nice resource especially if you're buying gifts for uh, Japan lovers basically Japanophiles there's a Japanese supermarket in Westfield in Shepherd's Bush but that's a bit of a trek so if you're looking for that kind of thing Leicester Square is the place to go and Sean um if we're straying away from Leicester Square and more the Charing Cross side, Giovanni's, um, if you're looking for Italian. Yeah, so yeah. heading back towards, down St Martin's Lane, heading back towards Trafalgar Square, you can find a couple of little gems. One of my favourite places, I suppose, um, is a place called Giovanni's, which is hidden down a little alley. It feels very um, Sherlock Holmes type alley um, off St Martin's Lane. Um, you can find quite a traditional Italian, though it's got an interesting twist in that it's completely, the walls are completely covered with celebrities, framed celebrities, um, some of which I think have been in the theatres in that area. So some are signed, but I'm pretty sure there are a few that maybe are just 
pictures of um, celebrities framed that maybe haven't been there. Um, not saying they definitely haven't, but not saying no, definitely not. But there's also no proof that they have. They so. do look like they might have been cut out of a newspaper. But they, uh, yeah, it's a brilliant little place. It's probably mid price. You don't really go there for the food. You go there for the atmosphere. There's this like nice white linen, uh, candlelit tables, and proper Italian like stuff and food. And is it? Would you say? I mean, you say you don't necessarily go there for the food, but would you rate it above, say, a chain like Bella Italia? Oh, totally. Like yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's very traditional. Bit authentic. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely authentic. Proper pasta, and yeah, you just go there for the kind of atmosphere, comedy value. You probably you may see some West End stars there, maybe. So mm. it's a good place to go before or after uh, going to the theatre as well. Yeah, and, and their website has a coat of arms, which is quite cool. You know? Yes, they, yeah. they take themselves very seriously. Indeed. You know, who knows what the coat of arms is for, but they have it. That's the They have a coat of arms. Um, so that's Giovanni's. Um, and then just further down um, St. Martin's Lane, um, this is a place that is maybe somewhere to go during the day as well. Maybe if you're feeling a bit in need of a caffeine hit between the galleries is a place called Notes and they have a couple of uh, branches around town but that that branch I I quite like because it's a good place to find a table before um, the theatre as well and they also serve wine and cheese yeah yeah they do very good antipasti tapasy kind of stuff yeah so that's a good place to go for a decent coffee in kind of the Leicester Square area I've generally found it's not too crowded, actually. Whenever I've stumbled into notes, it's often been with people where we've been trying in vain to get to somewhere in that area that where they have a table. Yeah, um, that's why I like it, and it's quite quiet, and you mm. can have a conversation with your friends. Yeah, indeed, and I think, similarly, I've seen a few actors stumble in there occasionally if they've been sort of doing plays on the West End or at the, yeah. uh, the theatre in the Covent Garden, so it seems to be a, seems to be the place to be in many ways. And in terms of um, places to go if, say, you have a relative in town who, let's just say, maybe earns more than you, or has more in assets, or should we say a solvent relative, and you're thinking, can't just take them to the usual places, I'll take them to some, somewhere, and they might be paying, they might not be, but, you know, we'll leave that open to you, but um, where would you take a relative that you sort of think... You know, they, they like the finer things in life, but, you know, you're not trying to take them to sort of, you know, the Savoy or the Ritz or whatever. And um, Jay Shiki is a place that I think, have any of us tried, but we've all heard is sort of good. Yeah, none of us have tried it, but it's on our wish list. Yeah, next time, listeners, we will be able to report back to you. Um, but then there's Koha, not far from there, Sean, yeah, which you've tried, Yeah, um, it was just... Um... Round the corner from uh, Jay Shakey's. So if you can't get in there, you can nip across the alley, I think it is. And it's like hidden behind, I can't remember which theatre it is, but it's the one that's right next to Leicester Square Station. And it's just a nice little cosy place. You can get some nice wine, a little bit of nice food, but it's very small, but it's just very nice. It's just not, is it a place to go to if you wanted a substantial meal? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's a good, good hearty meal. What kind of stuff is it? What's the cuisine? Um, I think it's a mixture, like British, French, bistro-type food. Uh, yeah, bistro is a good word. <laughs> good casual <laughs> word, yeah. Um, and in terms of good places to drink, but that, you know, I mean, some of these places will also serve food as well. We've touched on notes. Um, one of my favourites, which I've managed to drag Charlotte to, is the Cork and Bottle, which is below Leicester Square. Lots of people know about Gordon's, which is very near Embankment Station, um, which is sort of like the go-to wine bar, and it's particularly a good place for first dates. Even better, I would say, is the Cork and Bottle, because I've been there on a Friday and Saturday evening at like 9 or 10, you know, which you think would be peak time. And 
have managed to get a table, a table there. It's never too overcrowded. Even if you can't get a table, they put you on a waiting list and you're never waiting longer than about five or ten minutes. Really good cheese, really good red wines, dessert wines. Their cocktails are not fantastic, but I'd say stay away from those. But the, they do that thing, they do wine by the craft, um, which not enough places do, in my opinion. And that's just in its weird little silo of calm when... Obviously, Leicester Square is insane on a Friday or Saturday night, but if you find yourself there, Cork and Bottle is definitely a good place to go to. And in fact, we, um, Charlotte and I and another friend of ours went there right after another great place called Le Beaujolais, which is the bar where apparently the French expats in London do actually hang out. And that's on Litchfield Street, just off Charing Cross Road. They do amazing cheese as well. In fact, their cheese plates, I think, are cheaper and even bigger, and they do very nice wine. And the um, if you want to practice your French, the bar staff there are all, all actually French, and it has quite a nice atmosphere. There's also something in the basement that's apparently very trendy. I've not been there yet, but it's some kind of vaguely exclusivist thing that you go to if you're French, or if, or even if you just know it exists. Go exploring at, uh, at your pleasure or at your peril. Um, it's a great place. Yeah. What's it got hanging from the ceiling? It's oh, it's got all those ties. Yeah. yeah, it's got this amazing ties. decoration. It's a proper little kind of... I wouldn't say dive, but it's quite a small little intimate space. Yeah, yeah, it's but very intimate. Yeah, we went on. It must have been Friday night, and it was Chinese New Year, I think. That was it. Yeah, yeah. It absolutely packed in the area, but we still managed to get a table. Mm. So yeah, it's a proper gem. Yeah, was it? We think we finally managed to get some Chinese food somewhere, and then we went into Le Beaujolais and then to Cork and Bottle, and we managed to get tables both times. And this was, you know, yeah, one of the busiest nights of the year for the area. So. I took my dad to Le Beaujolais and he speaks relatively good French and he quite liked being able to just practice with the barman. So I think they, they tried to discuss something quite high, high-minded, but um, I'm not sure how far they got because quite a lot of wine had been consumed, but you know, in the best <laughs> traditions. So um, a good place maybe also to take um, someone who's sort of francophone in London who's homesick. That also leads us to, if you are if you have ventured towards Gordon's or if somebody has, a good way to escape if you want some peace is the piano bar which is below the arches of Leicester Square. So if you come out of Embankment, carry on up Villiers Street and turn left. Below the arches, there is a bar that generally tends to be sort of visited by theatre types who, who don't normally finish their shows. People who work in theatre tech or costume don't finish till about 10 or 11. They have a piano in there that pretty much anybody can rock up at and start playing, and they have sing-alongs, and it's pretty empty most of the evening, except at about 10 or 11. So if you're looking for a quiet drink, that's a really good place to take people. I mean, the bar isn't that remarkable, but it's just it's good if you actually want to be able to hear yourself, which is a gripe most people have about central London is that you cannot actually find somewhere where you can sort of, you know, hear yourself think. Um, until the actors start singing, at least. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. At least until but the good atmosphere, singing. Good, yeah, at, yeah. good party atmosphere as well. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, In fact, it's on uh, Sean's fiancé as an actor. Is it, is it a place that Owen knows about? Do you know? I think, you yeah, there, I yeah. think um, a few of my friends have mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a cool place one. that does the rounds, I think. Yeah. It does. I mean, one time I got stuck there with a friend of mine who's a costume designer and... Um, it was early in the evening, so there was nobody there. And um, the barman, I think, was quite bored and just spent all his time complaining to us and in a very wry, self-deprecating kind of way. But there came a point where we were like, eh, you know, you can have too much of a good thing. <laughs> you can have, you know, an empty bar can have its pitfalls as well as its upsides. In terms of sort of um, going slightly further back, further north, there is the Salsa Bar, which is um, diagonally opposite from the theatre that everybody knows as the Harry Potter Theatre, which is actually called the Palace Theatre, I think. And that does well there's pretty good cocktails and good happy hour and I think mm. you introduced me to that Michelle didn't you yeah in turn so it's one of these places where it gets handed from friend to friend to friend and it's a bit of a legend it's a perennial favourite because it's just got the best happy hour I think it's yeah. till 8 o'clock two for one drinks and the happy hour starts at like 5 or something so yeah. four. good cocktails oh, yeah, yeah. yeah amazing good. cocktails massive tropical concoctions they're incredible mm. 
and also it's, it's nice because there's lots of different spaces so you can sit out in the summer there's a nice outdoor area or there's a nice upstairs area if you want somewhere a bit quieter in winter but downstairs is quite fun it's kind of a cuban style bar and then around eight o'clock the dancing starts so they have salsa classes what pretty mm. much five nights a week i think and it's a proper first date favorite so if you love watching <laughs> pretty shy couples getting to know each other by dancing it's a pretty good place to sit and watch the dance floor there's a great restaurant attached as well great cuban food cuban south american food yeah it's very nice general south of the border kind of fair yeah it's lovely it's very lively i would say though there tends to be after six ish a big queue for the bar for obvious reasons so prepare to wait a while or try and get there early and try and uh, get your rounds in drinks. yeah <laughs> yeah it's a yeah. good really good place to kill time if you're hovering around the kind of the Charing Cross area, and particularly say if you're waiting before you go and see the Cursed Child or something, it's good because it's early in the evening, yeah, there's barely anybody in there when I've been before, particularly in just when happy hour starts. And there is nothing like watching two English people try to sort of vaguely work out how to be intimate without being intimate, so uh, <laughs> the, um, the salsa classes for the reasons you mentioned are quite, um, are quite fun to watch. So I think they've got a screen upstairs where you can watch what's going on downstairs. <laughs> if, if you're that keen. <laughs> Great. If you're that keen. Well, ladies, that brings us to the end of our first episode. In future episodes, we'll be discussing other areas of town which people have written off because they're considered too touristy, such as um, Covent Garden and Soho. If you have any other suggestions, please write in. And if you've liked or disliked, please leave comments. You know, Or if you dislike, maybe keep it to yourself. But Or, or do the English thing of just leaving something very polite but vaguely passive-aggressive. We can all cope with that, can't we? Yeah, so. <laughs> And um, very briefly, I think when we do get to a Common Garden episode, there's a chain or a franchise called Mr. Fogs, and they have one of those in Leicester Square Charing Cross, don't they? Yeah, there's one called Mr. Fogg's Tavern, which is, again, on St. Martin's Lane. Mm. Um, So there's another one in Covent Garden area, so maybe we'll cover that in a future episode. can explore that further. In the meantime, thank you for listening, and it's goodbye from me, Maddie Fry. Goodbye from Charlotte Demansky. Bye. And from Sean Evans. Goodbye. Take care, and Happy New Year.